Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Ahoy, traveler. You have entered a realm of noble heroes and monstrous beasts. A realm of epic quests and illicit affairs. A realm where tales of myth and legend unfold with every roll of the dice. Welcome to Tales from the Tower. Welcome to the very first installment, the inaugural installment of Tales from the Tower. This has been something that has been a long time in the making, a long time in the brain squirrel. We've been wanting to do this for so long, and we finally get a chance to actually play D&D with some of our friends and some of our patrons. And we couldn't think of a better adventure to start this off with than uh, Trials of the Tower Initiate from the guys over at Tabletop Journeys. It can be found in the Dragonlance Companion over on DMs Guild. Of course, links to all that in the show notes. That being said... Let's dive right in and meet the player party. I am Grim, Broken Hammer. I, I might not be the smartest hill dwarf running around with two war hammers, but never trust anyone shorter than me. Hi, my name is Ticknick. I'm a level two Thrike Crane Artificer. And yeah, you know, he just likes to wander the world, finding new new things. Navida Anshara, Kalishtar Death Cleric, Goth girlfriend of all clerics. Hello, I am Grim. I am a rogue fighter changeling, and I think more logically than most people would really like me to. Hope that's not a problem. Our story begins in the port town of Crossing in northern Abanenzia, as the characters meet with the Astorio family to discuss the job they have been hired to perform. A coastal storm has been raging since the early hours of the morning and shows no sign of relenting. Shortly after midday, the party arrives at Branchley Hall, a resplendent manor in the port city of Crossing to meet with the Astorio family. Torlin and Demaya Astorio have contracted you to escort their child, Val Astorio, on his journey south to the Tower of High Sorcery at Weyrith. Stormy winds tug at your cloaks and heavy rain stings your face as you crowd onto the small porch to get out of the weather. A well-dressed butler with a short, neat ponytail greets you at the door, Good day. He leads you down long hallways filled with decadent displays of wealth to a parlor on the other side of the manor. The parlor's door is ajar, and as you approach, you can hear raised voices from within. I cannot believe you're turning your back on your family to pursue this, this, this childishness, a male voice shouts. A young voice vehemently retorts, I am not abandoning anything. It's my life, my future. I'm sorry if you... But Bean Sprout, a matronly voice says, magic is dangerous and, and not just to the wielder. The butler raps soundly on the door 
and the voices abruptly stop. He pauses a moment <clears throat> and leads you into the parlor. Inside, you find an opulently appointed room with fine tapestries and silver candle sconces decorating the walls and a plush, deep burgundy carpet covering the floor. Four pairs of luxurious armchairs with small side tables between them are spaced around the room and an ornately carved love seat is centered on the far wall. A handsomely dressed middle-aged couple sits stone-faced on the love seat where a portrait of a middle-aged, balding man with a sour expression hangs on the wall above them. In a nearby chair, a red-faced teenager is perched on the edge of his seat as though he has been about to leap to his feet. A fire crackles merrily in the hearth, centered on the left wall, but the cheery flames do little to warm the frigid atmosphere as you enter. Talarian Osterio gestures vaguely towards the other armchairs around the room, and says stiffly, Welcome to our home. Please, please sit. <sighs> I'm sure you know exactly why you're here. We have we have a family issue, and our son is dead set on traveling to the Tower of High Sorcery to begin the initiation pro process to become a mage. And I, you must have overheard us discussing the matter, but I am not seeing eye to eye with him on it, but he seems dead set on doing so. And if he is, then I I must be assured of his safety, and that, that is why you are here. I hope I can trust you to escort my son from from his home to the tower in a safe manner. As safe as possible. I'm sure we can make that work. But you guys don't see eye to eye. Have you tried coming to the same level? Master Dwarf, this is no time for puns and jokes, but... I do... I do see your point. I do have to agree with the Dwarf. You may want to, um... Settle any differences you have with your son before traveling. It will eliminate any reckless behavior on anyone's part. Grim says as she looks at the young boy. Grim and Rum. <laughs> Roll me uh, insight checks. Oh, it's 11. It's just an 11. Sorry, that's going to be a 9. Well, I do appreciate your wisdom in the matter. I can't help but be furious, to be honest, if we are being perfectly transparent here, that Val is seemingly abandoning his family responsibilities to chase these foolish dreams. At this point, Demea, the mother, speaks up. She says, Dear, let's, let's not be too rash with our words and say something we might not mean. At this, Talaren sort of, you know, puts his hand up and begins to sulk a bit. As my husband said, we we don't see eye to eye with Val, but we do love and care about him. And so if, if he is to make this journey, we want to make sure that, that he is safe. It's, you know, the, the, the path from here to Weyrath is, is, not, is not a kind one. And there are many perilous 
dangers on the way and we just want to make sure that, that, that Val is safe, she says as she looks over at her son with loving eyes. Does my character know the way they're talking about? Like, do I know this route or is this new to me as well? Uh, it's like entirely up to you. I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not anything. It's uh, the route from crossing to Wayworth, you know, isn't uh, you know some sort of secret trail. It's it's pretty well trodden. I mean, pretty much anywhere to Wayworth uh, is relatively easy to get uh, physically. Uh, so I mean, whether you know it by heart or you can figure it out um, is up entirely up to you. Grandma's going to lean forward in her seat and look over at Val and say, Now tell me, boy, how useful are you in a fight? Or will we be your shield as you stand behind us and cower the whole time? Val looks a little uh, perplexed at your question. Uh, He's never been asked if he could fight before. And so he's kind of giving it a little bit of thought. And he sort of clears his throat and sort of straightens up a little bit. He's like, Well, I, I mean, I am, I am uh, starting to learn the ways of of magic, and I, I I can do a few cantrips, and you know, I I mean, how how hard is it to to use a dagger? You just you know, point the stick the pointy end on the thing in the monster you want to die, right? <laughs> he chuckles nervously. Yeah, this kid, he's got it. He'll be fine. Well, the boy is prepared for battle. He'll be fine for parlor tricks. At this point, Demaya's, uh, you know, sort of interjects. And says, "Well, it would be our hope that that Val need not fight, um, and that that's exactly why we are, are are going to pay you to to escort our son and to essentially fight for him." Oh, I'm into that job. Let's do that job. Have I promise? At the at this, Val sort of like you know slumps down a little bit. Like he kind of got a little bit excited at the at the prospect of being asked to to join in a fight. Uh, but, you know, his mother's response sort of, like, dampens his spirit a little bit. Navita, roll me an insight check. That is 16. So, based on uh, Val's responses, uh, you can tell that he's a bit conflicted. You know, he... You know, he doesn't want to disappoint his parents, and he is... You know, he is beside himself over the pain that he is seemingly causing them, but he wants to follow his dream, his dream of becoming a mage. And that resolve is at this point slightly stronger than any doubt that he might have in himself. Uh, Navita will pipe up almost addressing uh, his parents. Uh, there comes a time in every boy's life where it's time for him to become a man. So perhaps his journeys will aid in that journey. Demaya sort of, you know, sighs, but he's still just so young. And Taloran interjects and says, yes, he's too young. He still has so much to learn. And honestly, the Tower of High Sorcery is not a place for a young man such as this. Um, Question, would yeah. Grim know what kind of people come from the Tower of High Sorcery? Like, are they like are they um, established? Are they well-connected? Well, the Tower of High Sorcery is where uh, mages go to learn their craft in the Kryn world, in the Dragonlance campaign setting. So, uh, you know, y'all would be familiar, at least in passing, as to what the Tower of High Sorcery is. 
um, whether or not you know you have you know deeper knowledge than that would depend on your character but as far as like superficial like you know uh you know um, top layer knowledge you would know that that's where mages go to learn their craft and Ticknick, uh as you've been sitting there silently absorbing the uh the atmosphere absorbing the energy uh roll me an insight check 14 so you've been examining Demaya in particular and you can tell that she isn't so much upset that Val is choosing his own path but more so that she is upset over the particular path that he has chosen ma'am there's there's nothing wrong with going to learn a bit of magic you know look I magic is is I suppose you may be right young master but I mean it's it's almost a week journey from here to there you have bandits and wild animals and gods know what else he could be killed I just I it turns the vow I just, I can't lose you being sprout uh, ma'am you'd be very surprised what a human body can go through before it dies it'll be fine or on the journey he could learn to actually be a man might change his mind might pick up the sword and dagger is that what you'd prefer in my mind the way i see it if you want your child to be safe magic would almost be the best way to go at this point val like stands up and raises doesn't scream doesn't yell but definitely raises his voice in a uh, in a way to sort of sound more authoritative I didn't choose this. Magic is part of me. I just can't hide it away and pretend to be someone else. At this point, he storms out of the parlor and, you know, leaves. And Tolaren sort of scoffs. See, like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He's still so young and so impetuous. He has so much to learn. This might be a bit of a stretch. Um, but is there any way that Grim would be able to tell what he meant by he didn't choose this it chose him uh well i mean you uh you know that some people are more in tune with you know in th- th- with the ability to use magic uh so much more uh it's kind of a natural when it comes to it and so you would assume that he might have just been one of those that have been touched you know with that special gift Talarin, uh, after his outburst, sort of, you know, slumps down again. I mean, I already offered to hire him a private tutor to teach magic here at home with us. He doesn't have to join the Tower of High Sorcery. Uh, Demaya responds, I know, dear, but it seems we're at a loss here. It seems we, we can't just shut him up and keep him trapped inside of his room. I think he he has to go, and I do believe these are these are those who are going to to help him to help us. Talarin breathes out through his nose deeply. Very well. So, do we have your agreement to escort our son from here to Wayrath? 
I don't mind doing it. Um, but what were we getting paid again? Took the words out of my mouth. Laren almost like chuckles a little bit. Like, I guess a a businessman such as myself would, you know, appreciates you know when uh, when one gets down to uh, to brass tacks, so to speak. Uh, you will each be paid two hundred gold pieces. One hundred now, and then another hundred once you arrive at the Tower of High Sorcery. We will ensure your little bean sprout makes it to the tower unscathed. Demaya responds, yes, please. That is that is truly my only concern. Have our word. We'll get your son and whatever plant you want to wherever they gotta go. From here to Weyreth, like I said, it's about uh, six days travel. And... Um, so you want to get there as soon as possible. That's at a normal travel pace. Talarin motions his hand at the butler and sort of makes makes a motion that the butler uh, seems to understand. And not but a few minutes later, the butler comes back with Val, who seems a little red-faced, almost appears as if he's been crying a bit. Uh but the butler leads him back into the room and he sort of stands there like it's his eyes down not looking up at his parents until Laren says Val these adventurers have agreed to escort you from here to the tower it is not what me and your mother would want for you but if this is how if this, if it's what has to be done then this is how it will be done. They will make sure you are safe. They will make sure you arrive in peace. And I suppose we will figure out how to move on as a family together. Uh, Demaya stands up and rushes to Val and like kind of gets down to his level and hugs him. My dearest Bean Sprout, please, please listen to them, mind them. They, they're being paid very, very handsomely for this, and so, please make sure that, that you don't give them any trouble, and that you help them out as as much as possible, but also stay out of harm's way. Val like sniffles, like, yes, mum, yes, of course, of course. He sort of wipes his eyes and looks up at y'all at the at the party and says we have to we have to leave by at least by tomorrow. I mean we 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 could leave today but the weather is you know not not great for traveling I would suppose but but we have we have to get there within 6 days. Uh, let me see there's a sorry where the hell is this here we go we have to get there within six days because the the tower of wayward's connection to the material plane is 
it's it's is it is it it's not strong and and so after six days it's it's going to shift out of alignment and and who knows when we'll be able to reach it again and so like i said i time is kind of of the essence but i i don't know if you want to travel my my bag's already packed if if you want to leave now we can but if we want to wait until the storm abates then we can we can wait wait till tomorrow well i was always told i was not smart enough to walk in out of the rain so let's go yeah the, the sooner we leave the sooner we can get there forgive me for asking the obvious here you are forgiven but if we're on such a time crunch of getting there wouldn't it not make more sense to have carriage and horses Talarin sort of bats away the comment it's not anything that traveling at a at a normal pace you should get there in time Val is just a little impatient and obviously he's his heart is set on getting there but were you to leave now or were you to leave in the morning you would still make it in ample time. Well, if this little bean sprout is to grow, then perhaps some uncomfortability on the road is a good first step. Good point. Damaya sort of shakes her head. She's like, couldn't you wait until tomorrow morning? I, just, I mean, this, the storm should pass by then and it'll be much easier to, to travel. But again, like gestures at at the at the party you're the experts and i i'm not one to tell you how to do the job that you've been paid to do i feel departure tonight is the most suitable even though the weather is not but the more time we have without closing the time frame too close then i say we leave this evening yep you give me my gold i'm on my way agreed I have no complaints. Val sort of perks up at the idea, at the seemingly uh, agreed upon uh, proposition of leaving tonight and sort of gets a little bit more excited. Like, oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, like I said, I my bags are packed. I, we can We can go now. So the storm is still blowing mer- mercilessly as the party leaves Branchley Hall. However, and few travelers seem ready to brave the storm. But you have decided to brave the weather. You uh, make your way out of crossing with the rain, with the rain stinging your face and the wind whipping your back. And you make your way uh, down the road. And as you, uh, like I said, this was about midday when this uh, when this encounter started. So um, you hit the road roughly mid-afternoon, say 2 or 3 o'clock in, in our time. And so you begin to travel. You essentially um, get out of, you travel for about six hours uh, through the storm. Everyone roll me a constitution saving throw. 16? Nat 20. 14. 30, 20. All of you avoid uh, getting a level of exhaustion due to the uh, strenuous travel. 
And as uh, Twilight starts to sink into the world, you hear rustling in uh, some bushes as you approach the middle of a crossroads. What do you do? Pull out one of my hammers and then go poke the bush. Yes, go investigate. And I'll cover the little bean sprout. You go to investigate to go poke the, the bush when out pops a kender. Don't trust anyone shorter than me. Uh, wearing brightly colored clothing and holding a pan flute in one hand. Oh, oh, hello. She looks at you, uh, Rum, and your hammer and kind of like takes like a I quick... I pull step. my hammer in close to make sure she can't steal it. <laughs> takes like a quick step back like, oh, Master Dwarf, no, no, no need for that. Uh, I... Hey, uh, my name, my name is Darina Tamblewood. Um, if, uh, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just a traveling bard. I, I, um, mean, mean you no harm at all. Please, uh, please be assured. I'll slowly keep backing up. Hello, hi, hello, hello to the rest of you. I, like, kind of like waves at the, the rest of the party behind, like standing behind Grum. Darina Tamblewood's the name. Pleased to make your acquaintance. And what are you doing hiding in these bushes, Bard? She, you see, you see her blush a little bit. Uh, and she kind of looks down. I, uh, <laughs> I was relieving myself. <laughs> um, I didn't know that there was going to be travelers along the road at that exact time. <laughs> That's very, very embarrassing. <clears throat> You would think to do such um, activities a little further from the road, wouldn't you? Well, normally, yes, but, uh, you know, it just kind of came upon me out of nowhere, and I couldn't risk traveling any further than than this bush. Grim just kind of looks at her very, uh, very judgmentally, I'd say. Kind of uh, like, kind of like, you, you should have known better. I'm going to pull out my other hammer. Oh, Master Dwarf, no, no need. No need to, 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 uh, Look around. to respond with, uh, with, uh, with violence. Uh, if, if anything, uh, uh, I, I can regale you with a, with a song. If you'd like. Just resting bitch face at this kinder. Uh, anyone else? Any any anyone else would love to uh, hear a song? Can can Grim incite this bard to see if everything they're saying seems to be truthful? Yeah, absolutely. I, I also want to do that too. Five out of seven. <laughs> you know that she doesn't seem to be uh, any sort of threat. I mean, everything about her. Uh, appearance, everything about her, you know, her um, sort of energy, her vibe seems to indicate that she is just a traveling bard and you did happen to come, you know, upon her like using the bathroom <laughs> uh, in a bush. Why not, bard? Play us a song. Perhaps it'll quell the little bean sprout on his first time out on the road. Uh, Val looks at you sort of, you know, a little annoyed at your comment, but 
he kind of also is excited to hear the song. Like, you know, this is his first time out on the road. So while you're not wrong about your statement, he doesn't necessarily like it being pointed out. But uh, he does obviously have like, you know, that excitement inside of him. And who wouldn't love having someone call them what their mother calls right, them? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so when Grimm notices that he gets a little, I guess, annoyed at being called Beansprout like that, Grimm is going to turn into his mother and mimic the voice and call him Beansprout. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Val is like, you know, a little bit terrified at first, like at, but then realizes that, you know, remembers that changelings are a, a species, you know, in, uh, in the world and quickly, you know, uh, and sort of, and knowing then you know, his ability and magic as well. It's a, he, is startled at first, but then sort of like laughs it off, kind of like, oh, oh, Master Grimm, uh, I didn't. Uh, that's quite, that's quite a trick. I, I forgot that. Of course, you would be able to do that, but, um, if you wouldn't mind, I wouldn't like to see my mom here, if at all possible. No, I think I'm quite comfortable like this for a little while. Val, like sort of, you know, grits his teeth a little bit and sort of says, oh, okay, Master Grimm, sure. This is the way of the road, little bean sprout. We tend to uh, rag on each other quite a bit, so get used to it. Grow a little bit of a backbone. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's going to help. So uh, Darina has been, like, waiting patiently. He's like, okay, so are y'all ready for the song? Yes, much, much so. Yes, much Bard, so. play your song. <clears throat> Pulls out her pan flute, starts to play. In a town where the tumbleweeds roll, there's a love story that's out of control. He's got a mustache. She wears big hoop earrings. Their love is like a bad dream, but it keeps reappearing oh their love is like a garbage fire burning bright with terrible desire it's a train wreck a disaster in motion but they swear it's true love a crazy devotion and she goes on singing various several more ver verses and choruses and it is an awful song but it's also a whole lot of fun, and uh, the you know how upbeat and how well she performs it is sort of um, infectious, and sort of like lifts everybody's spirits and resolve. And uh, as a result, uh, you know that that sort of uh, uh, that energy uh, translates into. Um, like your physical into your physicality, and it actually helps you shave half a day off your journey. What is uh, young Val's reaction to this bard? Oh, he's enraptured by it. He's, you know, he's heard bards before, but he's never seen a bard out in the wild. He's never like he's seen, you know, a bard um, outside of any sort of, you know. I mean, you saw the kind of wealth his family has. You know, he's usually in like balcony seats, 
um, like far removed from from the uh, artistic uh, uh, exercise, you know, seeing like being able to like sit on a on a, a country road with four adventurers such as yourself and listen to this bard up close and personal, you know, it's it's, it's not like anything he's ever experienced before, and so he's completely enraptured. He uh, he like seems more determined than before to uh to make his way to Wayrith. You know, this if he makes a comment to you as you're as you start kind of getting ready for uh, as you start setting up your like your bedrolls and in and, and your campsite that you know that this this is an example of the the wide world that is available to him once he gets to Wayrith. Uh, Navita will put a hand on his shoulder and say, well, little bean sprout, if sorcery school doesn't quite work out, then you could always panhandle while singing on the side of the road. He kind of chuckles and is like, well, maybe, maybe, but I do believe my, my destiny awaits me at the tower. Well, we shall see. Speaking of which, what sort of magic do you possess at this point let's let us see a parlor trick oh yeah absolutely and so like i said y'all are getting ready for uh you're setting up your camp you're setting up your bedrolls and all that uh one of you is starting you know to collect uh like a wood for a fire and once you do so uh you start to like you know um get the you start to get the process of the fire started and val interrupts you like no no no, no allow me allow me and he sort of like waves his hands and produces the flame from his fingers and it you know lights the uh the campfire up. And he looks at you like like you know like impressive, right? Give him a, a little little golf clap. Not too bad, Val, not too bad. Let's grumble something about magic users. <laughs> well, Master Grama, you know, you, obviously you can't use magic for everything, but it it does come in handy whenever whenever you do need it. Ah, uh, you're wrong. I can't use magic for anything. Oh, may, maybe on on the on the trip I can teach you a thing or two. I think I'll pass. He kind of like laughs, like, "Fair enough, fair enough, Master Grum." I. I, I see, like, your hammers are all, all you need. Ah, uh, you're right there. A hammer's true. It's good. I don't trust you people. He just goes about what he was doing, trying to get his bedroll and things out and about. Val approaches Grim, you know, who, as far as he can, has been able to tell, is um, the most uh, magically inclined of the group. And asks her, are, are there a lot of people like Grum out in the world who, who don't like magic users? Oh, more than you know, child. More than you could imagine. Not You see, not everyone is um, blessed with the gift of magic. So they, they fear us? Fear, use, manipulate, befriend. Sure. Okay. Okay. 
My advice, not that you asked for it, would be that you learn how to read people and you learn how to read people very quickly. Because if you don't, someone will take advantage of you and it won't be a fun experience. Okay, I thank, thank you for, for that advice. I, I didn't think it was going to be, I mean, I, I, I assumed, you know, I mean, you saw how my parents reacted. I, I, I assumed that some people, you know, had that sort of mentality, but I didn't realize that there were so many that felt the same way my parents did. And his shoulders kind of drop a little. Thank, thank you, Master Grimm. I appreciate your honesty. And he goes and sits on a log by himself. The sun still hangs low on the horizon as you finish your evening meal and settle in around the warmly crackling campfire. A soft breeze sends rippling waves through the grasslands Around you and wafts the decadent aroma of spiced cider across the campsite from a kettle that Val is tending over the fire. With a shy smile, he offers some to each of you and then sits down with his own steaming cup. After a moment, Val says, this kind of almost reminds me of home. Growing up, we would always sit together after dinner with a, with a cider or a tea mother and father like to add brandy to theirs and we take turns telling stories do do you think we could do that tell stories i mean well of course i'm sure we could oblige so levita and grum roll me a d10 five for me that's a six for me all right uh navita tell a story of betrayal well, little bean sprout, how about a story of betrayal? I was not always the cleric that you see before you. In fact, I used to follow a different god. A lesser god in my eyes now. Much like you, I was not happy with the life that I was living. Day in and day out. Doing chores. Following a god of goodness and light. Such boredom. I began to research a little bit outside of my order into more chaos, into more uh, dark, perhaps. I decided to share once with one of my fellow, uh, one of the fellows from my order, hoping to swear them to secrecy. And it wasn't long after that that the leaders of my order arrived at my bedroom door. They searched my room and found a forbidden text. Something as simple as a book of information that wasn't, that the heads of my order were not too keen on. Well, before I knew it, I was tossed out, excommunicated. Do you know what betrayal does to people? It changes them. It sows seeds of distrust. It led to my life as a sellsword. 
It's a curious lesson, little bean sprout. Don't trust anyone. Val like swallows deeply. It must have been hard to to believe in something only to have it go so wrong. Okay. Sighs deeply and Grum, that's where you that's when you pipe in to tell a story about your hometown. Well, I mean, let's not get it all down. Let's talk about me old hometown. It was a wonderful place. Full of all the great hill dwarves you've ever heard of. And if you haven't heard of any, look them up. And there I was, a young lad, trying to come up as a blacksmith. That's the hammers, right? It's the hammers. You notice the hammers. But it was it was hard, you know, around all these wonderful hill dwarves in this wonderful community. And they came together. Family was very important. And I tried and I tried. And one day, I just got to a point where it all became clear. And I went through the town and everybody was so happy for me. I got a second hammer because I figured two hammers and do it twice as fast. It, it doesn't work like that, I found out. But then I went on the road away from my town and I miss it dearly. And I hope you ever can go to it, the town of where I'm from, called, shit, I can't remember. Uh, that'll come to me. But when we get there, I will take you to my favorite spot, the Two Anvil Bar. And hopefully they remember who I am. It was a good story, right? Want me to tell another one? Val is laughing. Uh, almost uh, like giggling uncontrollably. Like, how could you? How could you not remember the the town you're from? The name of the town. I mean, like I I could never forget Crossing. I I loved where I grew up. It's I've taken just, a lot of big hits to the head, kid. He starts giggling again. Like, well, that that could explain it for sure. But, but yeah, like, like you know, don't don't take you know what happened earlier with my parents is you know everything that my entire life you know my, my life in crossing has been great i have i wanted for nothing my parents obviously love me i just i wonder if i wonder if i'll ever go back after my training's done i mean at this uh, you begin to wind down and uh, the evening ends, and you begin the second day of your trip, the first full day. Uh, in the morning, Grim would have uh, dropped the appearance of Val's mother and just gone back to um, the appearance that she was wearing when she met him, which would have been a uh, black-haired woman. All right. Uh, he sees that. Like, oh, Master Grim, very, uh, very pleased to once again, make this acquaintance. Uh, I couldn't hold on to that look forever. It would get a little uh, disturbing after a while. I would argue that it got disturbing almost immediately. 
And so with uh, sort of like that energy from the bard earlier, uh, from the day before, you're able to make better time on your second trip, on your second day, on your first full day. And as you um, are making your, as you're traveling, you come across uh, evidence of a campsite where some kind of battle must have occurred close to the roadside. You have uh, six dead gnolls kind of strewn across blood-stained grass. Oh, looks like a good battle happened here. Dead dogs are good dogs. Rim would stop, but only to see, like, if she could tell how recently it happened. Maybe about, like, like, how wet the blood is or, you know, how warm the bodies are. Roll me an investigation check. Well, that was a nat one. Rolling hot. You think they're still alive. No, Uh, you can't discern any information from them. I'd like to loot them if there's anything to take. Gold teeth, anything. As Grim fails to investigate anything and Grum starts to try to pick the pockets of these dead gnolls, you begin to see, begin to sense motion in the trees uh, a few feet away. And out come three knoll witherlings shambling out of the nearby tree line. Roll initiative. Four. I love and hate my dice. That's a nat 20. 19. 16. So how far away are they? They're like 10, 15 feet away. Is, and I'm assuming they'd be 10, 15 feet away from everyone? I'd say they're like, they'd say they're 10 feet away from uh, Grim and Grum, and then 15, because they're actually on top, you know, like investigating the knolls, and you are, um, uh, Navita and Ticknick are, they're 15 feet away from them since they're still a little, and from Val, who are kind of uh, hanging back. Okay. Um,. So Grim would pull out the two short swords that are on her back. I'd say get down low and then make her way toward them. And uh, whichever one would be the closest one, she would uh, take a swing at with her short sword. It's going to be a 12. Does that hit? 12 hits. And that's going to be six damage. So the first one gets hit by your swords. Uh, The bones sort of like clack together. It doesn't, uh, you know, register like any sort of like pain being like an undead creature that wouldn't phase grim but i will also use my bonus attack to try and stab them stab at it with my uh second sword it's gonna be a nine the nine misses probably just missed piercing it went to the side too far or something exactly grum you're up next all right well i'll pull out my war hammers and and I'll pick the one one of them that he was not attacking or she was not attacking. Uh, and I will bring the first one in for a mighty blow. Eight. <laughs> that is a swing and a miss. I can use my two-weapon fighting and swing my other hammer. Come on. Ooh, there we go. There's 16. That's a hit. Four, seven damage. You swing at the second one. You're, it's able to def, uh, somehow deftly dodge the first attack, but isn't expecting a swing from a second hammer. Con- connect greatly. All right, uh, Navita, you're up next. 
I'll use my Kalishtar mind link ability to telepathically tell the bean sprout to get out of dodge. And then I will cast Toll the Dead on the one that uh, Grum just hit. And is there, is the other one, another one within five feet of it? Yeah, they're pretty much like, they're all coming out at, um, like together as a group. So they're pretty much all right next to each other. Okay. And uh, the the first one took no damage, correct? The one that uh, Grim? The first one did take damage. Okay. Then I will target both of those with my uh, Reaper ability, which allows me to target two creatures with uh, necromancy cantrips. It'll be a wisdom saving throw. Well, the first one rolled a nine. That is a failure. And the uh, second one rolled a nat 20 for a 17. Uh, that passes, believe it or not. Yeah, they are not wise, but... They are lucky. Yeah, exactly. First one fails, second one passes. All right, well, the one that failed then takes nine necrotic damage. Uh, since they're both injured, they'll take D12, or uh, from D12s. The first one gets hit with your spell, and be- the bones begin to crack and crumple, and it kind of like implodes in on itself, and the bones just p- drop in a pile of a heap uh, on the on the forest floor. Uh, Ticknick, it's on you. You cast Firebolt. I'm going to aim at the one that has been damaged. Does a 10 hit. A 10 misses. Your Firebolt flies a little too high. Let's say Val sort of like scampered in front of you uh, accidentally. And at the last second, you had to aim, you had to, to avoid missing him. You had to, uh, you, you ate, your aim went a little too high. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, Master Technica. I just, I, I don't know what to do right now. Stay behind us. Yes, of course, of course. And he kind of like scampers behind you. Now it is the Noel Witherling's turn. Uh, the one that has been damaged goes up to Navita and swings uh, their sort of like spiked club thing that they have. Does a, a 20 hit, I assume so. You would assume correctly, <laughs> sir. Actually swings twice, uh, 18. Both are hits. For three points of damage. Now the second one is also going to attack you. A 16 and a nat 20. Oh, God. The 16 misses, the nat 20 hits. Three points. And that is their turn. We're at the top of the order. Grim's turn. Okay. So there are two of the gnolls around uh, Navita, right? Correct. And that would place Navita within five feet of them? Yep. Perfect. So Grim is going to move up to the damaged null and take a attack roll uh, with her short sword coming in from the side and gonna say that a uh, that a nine probably doesn't hit it does not okay um, she's gonna use bonus action to hit two weapon fighting and I'm going to say that a 24 Four probably hits. Twenty-four misses. No, of course it hits. <laughs> okay, so that's going to be six damage for the attack, and then um, five for sneak attack. You swing at it with your short sword. Uh, you know you're already your body is already in motion to make the second attack, but you connect with the first attack, and before 
you can swing around for the second, the witherling has already collapsed into a heap of bones, and you just swing at air. So, Grum, we have one null witherling left standing. Uh, it is uh, it has just attacked Navita, who does not appear to be in the... Uh, who does appear to be in dire straits. I'm going to laugh and scream forward to hit it with my first hammer. And that is the nat one. You, uh, yeah, you missed entirely. Perfect. And the next one, 11. And you miss with your second attack as well. Fantastic. Going stumbling like that a fool. First, that nat one, that first attack got you off balance and you were able, and you weren't able to, uh, to hit with the second one either. Navita. Um, all right. I'm going to bonus action healing word on myself and regain five hit points. And then I will use my action to toll the dead again. So take a wisdom saving throw. Nine. That is a failure. Seven points of necrotic damage. The necrotic energy encircles the witherling, and you can see it sort of shudder in pain a little bit. It doesn't make any sort of uh, vocal or any other otherwise physical uh, indication that it's suffering or that it's been a hurt, but you can definitely uh, you definitely know that it it's been affected. All right, Ticknick, it's on you. There's only one left, correct? Correct. I'm gonna shoot the last one with my crossbow. Does a nine hit? A nine misses. All right. Well, it's the Witherling's turn. It is going to attempt to bite Navita. The bite is a twenty-two to hit. For six points of necrotic damage. That hits, and it's very rude of that witherling. And another six points of necrotic damage for the second bite. Oh, wow. Is Navita down? Ouch is right. No, she's still up. Thank God for that healing word. <laughs> All right. Well, we're top of the order. Uh, Grim, it's on you. Uh, so Grim is going to take a, take a uh, swing with her sword, short sword right down on the knoll and take it a nine doesn't hit nine misses all right bonus action second sword and that's another nine rum what you got i would like to scream i am good at fighting and <laughs> swing at the knoll and i missed that was not it and my second is oh that one actually might hit 14 14 hits what's the damage look like four master dwarf how do you want to do this Oh, just bring it, bring the hammer down on its neck. Just quick with a snap. You swing your hammer down right at the, right where the neck bones connect with the skull and just splinters it in half. The skull goes flying. The rest of the body drops in a heap (laughs) and all three are dead. That's how you do it. Thank you for your help, Master Dwarf. I told you I was good at fighting. Val runs up to Navita. Are you, are you, are you okay? Do, do, do you need anything? Uh, yeah, it, it stings a bit there, Bean Sprout. Here, hold, hold on, hold on. He reaches into his backpack and pulls out a, a vial, like a uh, what um, looks to be like a healing potion. You've seen healing potions before. It looks like to be that's what, what it is. Mother gave this to me 
to to use just in case. But I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't need it, and hopefully, I, I, I won't need it. And he looks at the rest of the party. Like, sh- sh- should I give it to him? Please do, dear. I'm, I'm hurt rather bad. Does anybody else have any? Okay, maybe you better give it to him. Eight points of uh, HP back. Thank you, Bean Sprout. Yeah, of course, of course. I, I that was. I didn't know. Is that going to happen again? Do you think? Do you think there are more? Oh, probably. Where there's three, there's bound to be more. All right. Uh, all of you, roll me investigation checks. Nat twenty. All right. So we'll go ahead and use that. So you see that there was, uh, there was a camp here. You can tell, like, based on your investigation, uh, there was a group camp here. The gnolls seemingly attacked those that were here. Um, it looks like uh, there were about three people and horses. Uh, there was a, a skirmish, obviously. Um, and it looks as if a lot of blood was spilled that wasn't from the gnolls. Uh, enough to suggest that whosoever blood it was probably didn't survive. But there's not a body for all this blood is what you're saying. Correct. All you see are the six dead gnolls. Is there a trail or does it look like it kind of like goes somewhere than ends? Like it might have been carted away or something? Uh, you see uh, like the horse tracks like leading away uh, and they like lead off into um, a direction that's uh, opposite where you're headed, the direction you're headed. Hmm. Well, it appears that um, some poor fool was murdered and taken away to the Knoll camp. But that's in a different direction and not our problem. We have a job to do. I agree. It's not our problem. Val, like, kind of looks down. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I mean, we, we probably can't help them anyway, and we, we, we do need to get moving. Agreed. Yes, you'd hate to, uh, you'd hate to miss it, wouldn't you? No, ab- absolutely. You need, yeah, let's, let's get going. So you continue your traveling, uh, the morning becomes afternoon, afternoon becomes evening, and pretty soon you're once again setting up camp. You are, um, you know, you set up a fire, you eat, you know, uh, you eat, you uh, begin to uh, set up your bedrolls, and you fall asleep to await the next day. Uh, does everyone does everyone want to uh, just take a long rest? Do you want to, based on the null attack or the uh, the investigation they had earlier, do you want to set up a watch? I think setting up a watch would be a good idea, but we should all make sure we get our rest. I'll take first watch. And I will take second. I can tell you my girl Navina needs a long rest. I actually don't have to sleep, so I can take watch. We can't trust him. He's under my height. I got my I got my eye on you. Why don't you teach the boy how to take watch? At this point, Val is already passed out. Like almost like 
Yeah, he's like mouth open, like almost snoring, like drool coming out. He's already zonked. He's tuckered. Poor little bean sprout. So Navita is sleeping. Uh, Grim sleeping. Ticknick and Grum are holding watch. Around midnight, Ticknick, you start to hear rustling coming up. And just in the nick of time, you see a party of four bandits and a Kenku attempting to sneak up on your campsite and ambush you. What do you do? Just shout at them saying, hey, you there, stop. You do that. They hear you, realize they are no longer, you know, no longer they have element of surprise. Now everyone roll initiative. I assume we do not gain the benefits of that long rest? Nope. All right. It's an 18 for Navita. Uh, I got an 18 as well. Five. Eight. We are good at fighting. Well, uh, this will actually start this uh, with Ticknick because since uh, Grim and Navita are both asleep, you actually missed the first two rounds of combat uh, as you wake up and join the fray. So, Ticknick, what do you want to do? I'd say there's five of them, four bands and Kenku. Yep. Right, I'm going to shoot at one of the bandits with my crossbow. Not 29 damage. You shoot your crossbow at the, one of the bandits, and the arrow rips right through his throat and shoots out the back of his neck, and he drops dead. Huzzah! Well, it is the Kenku's turn. Going to take a swing at Ticknick with its short sword. Uh, nine misses. Uh, yeah. So it swings at you with the short sword, uh, but it seems to, it's almost like it runs up toward you and swings as it tries to run past you. Uh, and as it does so, it uh, provokes an attack of opportunity. Because I'm a, a therapy and I have four arms and I can actually hold two light weapons, I think. So I'm going to slash at this Kenku with my dagger. So 19 hit. 19 hits. Two damage. As it's running by, you're able to use one of your extra arms to swipe at it with your dagger. It cuts it in, uh, like on its side. It sort of squawks in pain, but continues to run past you. Grum, it's on you. So does it move into my space? Uh, it ran, if y'all were standing next to each other, it ran like opposite you. Like if you were, if, if uh, Ticknick was on the left and you were on the right, it ran to the left of Ticknick. So it's kind of like, like going around you. And then there's three others behind him or four others? Three. Three, three now. Yeah. Ticknick decided that the other one needed an extra hole in snack. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I guess I would just hit the closest one to weapon fighting and just go for it. Just the double swing down. That's not going to end. That was a two. Nope, that misses. And 11. And 11 misses. Well, I am good at fighting. The end of my turn. The one that you try to attack uh, and uh, a second go to Grum. The first one's a miss. The second one, 14 hits for uh, four points of damage from his scimitar. And the third goes to attack Ticknick. 
for uh, ice, uh, a miss. Swipes at you with a scimitar and misses, somehow misses all four of your arms. All right, we're at the top of the order. Uh, Grim and Navita, you are starting to stir. You, you have already woken up, uh, but you have yet to, it's only been six seconds, essentially. So you're still uh, in, you know, still laying down, still in bed, starting to get up, but you are still uh, unable to join the fray. You do notice that the Kenku has run past Grum and Ticknick and seems headed directly for your campsite. Um, are we conscious enough to say something? Yeah, I mean, like you're you're awake. You just haven't been able to physically get up and join the battle. So this would kind of happen as Grim is getting up. Um, so we can play it out. Does that uh, next turn? But um, Grim would like look over at Navita and just say, "Protect the boy." While we handle this, clearly you're still injured. Navita, do you want to make any sort of like free action turn during this round? Uh, Navita will respond with her telepathic mind link. I will watch over the bean sprout. All right, Ticknick, it is your turn. You've got uh, three bandits left and the Kenku who has already run past you. I'm going to throw my dagger at the Kenku. 19 or two damage. So you throw your dagger, it glances off its shoulder. Uh, doesn't pen, like doesn't stick in, just sort of like grazes him. Definitely uh, wounds it. You see blood. It squawks in pain again, but it's not enough to keep the Kenku from continuing his approach toward the campsite. I'm going to take a bonus action for two weapon fighting. Is there a uh, bandit in front of me? Yeah, one uh, one has attacked you, so there's he's definitely within melee range. I'm going to hit that one with my light hammer. Does a six hit? does not it is the kenku's turn the kenku uses its action to dash toward the campsite and it reaches val grabs him and is set to pull him away grum somebody get that bandit and then i'll attack the closest one to me all right well there are two next to you are either of them injured at all nope uh, we'll take the one on the left. And first hammer is 12. Eight points of damage. How about that second one? Nope, that's 11. I know that doesn't happen. That is a miss. So it is their turn. The same two are going to attack you, Grum. Uh, the first one is going to miss. The second one's also going to miss. That third one that you are engaged with, Ticknick, continues to attack you and misses. With, they all miss with their scimitar. And we are at the top of the order. Uh, Grim, you are up. Okay, this Kenku, is it, how close or far is it from uh, Navita? Um, I would say that they are, like, they are probably within 10 to 15 feet of you. This is a really long shot here, but uh, would, would, um, would Val count as an enemy and not incapacitated? Val does not count as an enemy, no. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, um... Regardless, Grim is going to move toward the Kenku and um, would would she be able to have a clear shot at the Kenku without harming uh, Val? You'd have to roll at disadvantage. Well, it needs to be done. I'm going to attack with my short sword. What's an eight do? 
and eight misses. Okay, I'm gonna use the bonus attack. Um, does a 14 hit? That's at disadvantage? That is at disadvantage. 14 hits. That will be nine damage. Master Changeling, how do you want to do this? I'm going to imagine that the, uh, the Kenku is like looking at me using almost uh, Val as a shield and Brim is just going to very precisely stab her short sword um, between the uh, neck and shoulder of Val and hit right into the neck of the uh, Kenku behind him. Val screams in terror as he sees your blade approaching his face. Uh, and then, but that scream is quickly quelled by a as your blade drives itself into the neck of the Kenku. Val feels the grip around him loosen as the Kenku falls over dead. So Grim is just going to look over at Val and say, get to uh, Navita. And she's going to, does Grim have any movement left, I believe? I'd say maybe five to 10 feet. She would use that to just try to start making her way back toward the uh, toward the other two, toward Grum and uh, Ticknick. Okay, uh, Navita, it's on you. Any other bandits taken any damage? Uh, one bandit has taken damage. He's looking pretty rough. He took, a, he took one of Grum's hammers to the body and looks like he uh, might be vomiting up his uh, organs pretty soon. Well, as he's vomiting up his organs, I will uh, cast Toll the Dead on him, roll a wisdom saving throw. That is a 10. That is a fail. Eight necrotic damage. That one drops to the floor, drops to its knees, vomits up uh, what might be a gallbladder, and drops over dead. Ah, beautiful. And neat. And it is Ticknick's turn. And hit the bandit in front of me with my hammer again. Gives me a four, doesn't hit. That is a miss. My hammer again. Nat 20. That's certainly a hit. Six. Uh, yeah, you smack it on the temple. You see it kind of do like the drunk man, like stagger after that someone does after they've been, you know, molly whopped. But then they kind of, you know, steal the, themselves and, and stand uh, in front of you. And that leads us to Grum. Time for you to die. 14. And the damage is 4. That's 19 and 5. This one looks like it's uh, just about, about you know, it's a maker. When one, the one that is in front of Ticknick realizes that the Kenku has fallen. And they say, screw this, let's get out of here. And they use their disengage action to run away and into the forest. Do you want to follow them? I'd like to sprint after the one that ran away from me. Okay, well, you have a um, speed of 25, so uh, they have 30, and so you won't be able to catch them as long as they're sprinting as well. Yeah, I, I know. You're still going to do it? All right. Yeah, I'm dumb. I'm going to yell at it. I'm going to, like an old man, get off my grass. You come back here and get your weapons! As they get farther away. How many rounds do you want to use? How many rounds do you want to do that for? Three rounds till they, you know, like, till I can obviously see they're getting away. All right. So uh, you chase after them for about 20 seconds. And meanwhile, uh, we're at the top of the order, essentially out of initiative now, since uh, everyone has either been killed or run away. Uh, what do y'all want to do? Well, since the, uh, the dwarf is in pursuit, 
uh, of the enemies. Uh, Navita will uh, ask uh, Val, is he all right? Yes, yes. I, I thought you said this wasn't going to happen again. Uh, well, n that's not what we said, but uh, where's your dagger, boy? Uh, he starts searching his backpack and pulls out the saddest looking excuse for a dagger that uh, you've ever seen. Are we talking like equivalent to a butter knife sad for a dagger? I mean, it's it's definitely sharp, but, um, you know, I would say like, you know, like a Swiss army knife sort of, uh, you know, equivalent of, of a dagger. Did the Kenku, Kenku had a dagger, right? Didn't have anything like pulled, like, you know, uh, you can definitely see what kind of weapons they had on him, but didn't have anything like wasn't brandishing anything at the time. Okay, well, I'll say, uh, well, we should remedy this, and I'll start searching the dead bandit and the uh, Kenku to see if it has a, a small dagger or something I can give to Val. All right, roll me an investigation check on the Kenku. Grim's going to check the bodies as well for any useful items. Uh, I got a 16. I got 18. I'm going to try and find my dagger. Uh, yeah, you find it. Uh, you know, you're able to sort of track like where you threw it even sort of like the blood drops from the Kenku and you're able to retrieve your dagger. Uh, all right. So uh, 16, 18. So as far as um, you search the bandit, they have a scimitar that is uh, the bandit has a scimitar that um, looks like your average scimitar uh, as well as a light crossbow, which again, average crossbow that you could find at just about any merchant. Uh, the Kenku, on the other hand, the Kenku has a uh, has a short sword and a short bow. Uh, these are um, pretty standard, but they're in pretty good shape. Um, then, as you're continuing to search the Kenku, uh, you see kind of something sticking out of its boot, and you reach in, you pull a scrap of parchment that's been tucked inside. And in common, you see what is a pretty accurate description of Val written on the scrap of parchment. Well, this does not bode well. So am I back yet? Uh, yeah, you've returned. Huffing and puffing. Yeah, I'd like to catch my breath. What did I miss? Uh, Navita will hold up the parchment. It appears someone is after the young bean sprout. Uh, it appears the bean sprout, as you say, is quite popular. Boy, who did you manage to piss off already? We haven't even been gone two days. I, I haven't pissed off anyone. I, I don't know who... What, what, I don't... He's completely perplexed, terrified out of his mind at the fact that this possible, possibly murderous Kenku has a description of him tucked away in his boot. You know, there's only going to be more people like this in the future. If you want, we can take you back to your mom and dad. I mean, y'all can still protect me, right? Oh, of course we can. But what happens when our job is done? And we go our separate ways? Well, I'll, I'll be at the tower, and and I'll have enough protection there. No one can can do anything to the tower. No one can... that. Would want to harm it can approach it. It's it's got magical wards. Hmm. Don't always trust magic. I was going to say I think you put a lot of faith in magic, boy. 
You put a lot of faith in powers that uh, can be manipulated. He sort of like steals his resolve. His his looks. He kind of like, you know, sets his uh, his jaw at this. He's like, yes, I, I do, I I do trust in it because, because it it is my fate. It is my destiny. It's what I it's what I'm meant to do. Navita will stick the short sword into Val's hands and announce to the group, someone teach the boy how to use that. Oh, with pleasure. And there's just this, like, there's, there's a big smile on uh, Grim's face as she says that. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this part of the adventure. Join us again next time, and fare thee well, dear listener. Until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening, Traveller, and we hope you join us again for the next Tales from the Tower.